0: Wait, did you say Feyrune? I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How did I get roped into this game? <laughs>
0: God damn it! <laughs> you said Sword Coast, and uh, I just assumed. <laughs>
1: Hi from the Mundangerous Conference Room in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 221 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about beginning campaigns on the right foot with Session Zero. But first,
0: the rogue traders play with ancient Eldar psychic technology in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, Junkrat offers a fine how-do-you-do in the Character Creation Forge. Uh, did I do that right? I have no idea who Junkrat is or how he and or she says, how do you do? Well, it's an Australian accent, but that's fine. Well, that's of fun. How do you do? Oh, like Captain Boomerang. All right. <laughs> yep. Fine. Uh, Shane, how's our Band of
1: Blades game going? Our streaming game going? Speaking of Australians. So we are recording this after uh, episode five, which is now on YouTube. So I will say we are just over the halfway point of the campaign, and um, it's not going as well now as it was not too long
0: ago. I mean, in-game, yeah, it's not going nearly as well after a few bad rolls, and, well, the undead are right behind us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, and it has taken the core undying much longer to get to the town of Eastlake than we had originally planned. Uh, We're well into fall in the game and as time passes bad things happen
1: right yeah panya is about to burn um you you can see that clearly that when this clock fills uh just a few ticks away that panya will burn uh, which is a beloved country for many of the legion
0: yeah considering uh, almost every player was like i'm definitely going to build someone from panya this is great i love this place (laughs) Uh, so if you want to watch our wacky antics and also see how we deal with the fact of our homeland burning to the ground um tune in wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern Uh, we go right about three hours uh, each week and play uh you'll see we play a mission phase and a campaign phase of band of blades the forged in the dark game
1: and that is at twitch.tv slash don't split the podcast
0: All right, speaking of, I don't know, being twitchy, Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign?
1: So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And on the Deathworld Iblis Prime in the frontier city of Meridian, the Rogue Traders have set out to establish a colony in the name of the Holy Throne of Terra and Prophet. Cool.
0: Uh, We are in a
1: dungeon, which means we must be in
0: uh, a chamber with a great deal of money in it, right? Because why else would we
1: go deep underground? Uh, You're in a surprisingly empty chamber, but Uh, it is a chamber. It seems to be a place where dangerous things happen. Yeah, it is the Eldar Spirit Chamber, uh, the heart of the Eldar Exodite Barrows, uh, where you are planning to um, assist the Spirit Seer with siphoning off the souls from the planet's world spirit and hopefully fixing the um, massively dangerous jungle that is uh, precluding you from really fo- finalizing your colony plans here.
0: Yes, there actually is something in this uh, for us, uh, you know, and that's why we're dealing with this crazy, creepy Xenos from far, far away, who's guiding us in some sort of abomination ritual thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great.
1: Well, I... <laughs> is everybody in? The ritual's about to begin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're here. Uh, so, Silva and Flair use the chamber. Uh, it, it kind of... It eddies the warp the way that a choir chamber does um, on their ship, which is like a bunch of psychers in a room sort of working towards one goal. This chamber actually has that sort of effect without having anybody else in it. Um, so they're pretty easily able to contact the spirit seer. Um, and then they, you know, have a brief discussion and they begin. It's mostly handled on the spirit seer side, but it still needs. Um, like, stabilization and regulation from Silva and Flare locally in order to make sure that the world spirit doesn't sever the connection um, as it tries to resist this ritual being performed on it.
0: Great. Well, our two psychers are now currently directing this flow of energy, which is just sending the corrupting influence
1: of the warp right through them. Mm -hmm. Well, not just through them. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) There's a bit of splashback. Yeah, so as the ritual begins, you all feel it beginning uh, because there is a psychic wave that kind of washes over all of you in the chamber, and each of you sees this vision of your deepest desire. So Trix sees himself as a high priest of the ecclesiarchy, wielding office to exact revenge on that planet that cast him out.
0: Yeah, this was an interesting moment actually in-, in game because this wasn't necessarily something that every player at the table had sort of delineated, right? But the question was, what is your character's deepest desire? Like, what's the end goal of all this rogue traitoring for them? Trix, who's basically been running around chopping people in half, is like, yeah, the ecclesiarchy, you know, the priesthood. Uh, he is still a priest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look. we forget that. <laughs> he's so corrupt. He's he's like little c corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Echo, our sage sees all the knowledge of the universe in a strange tesseract that she can easily manipulate. Uh that that sounds pretty heretical to me, honestly. I-
1: Well, it's interesting because like (laughs) Echo is like, I want, I just want non-heretical knowledge. I just want to know things. (laughs) Whereas like we come to Doc and Doc sees himself in a laboratory kind of frantically running these calculations and then finally proving his unified field theory of science, which is of course horribly corrupting.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. All his terrible science. It's right. (laughs) Look. Captain Horst who recently joined the command cadre after the untimely death of Draco uh, is a faithful guardian and of course he sees himself inducted into the Adeptus Custodes the ordo that's tasked with the personal protection of the emperor on the golden throne Uh, I don't really know how that works because you kind of have to be
1: genetically engineered (laughs) to do (laughs) that from birth but sure that's not possible but boy is it would it be an honor if it happened to Captain Horst (laughs) That's right,
0: and while this is all happening, the, he sees the rest of us, uh, the rest of the crew of the entire ship, all watching him proudly. I, I mean, it's nice that he's like, "Yeah, all of you would be allowed into the chamber to see the emperor." Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would totally have you at my induction ceremony.
0: <laughs> Flair sees himself as one of the high lords of Terra. There are what a half dozen of
1: those. Uh, I don't think the exact count is known um, canonically, but it's yeah, it's somewhere in like the dozen range. But that would put him far, far above all
0: of these other like, simple rogue traders, and of course, even the heads of his own noble
1: house. Meanwhile, Silva, the fraudulent rogue, rogue trader, sees herself reunited with her lost twin brother, Turvy, and has no idea how he died. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and they helm a rogue trader vessel independent of the Administratum uh, without them breathing down their neck over their false warrant. And bringing the light of the Emperor to the far reaches of the galaxy. Which I I think was an interesting choice for Susie because Silva was sort of like thrust into this position and she has been like consistently growing into a rogue trader. Um, So it's interesting that she now kind of sees herself fully as a rogue trader. Like that is obviously she wants her brother back, but professionally she's a rogue trader she doesn't see herself as anything else she doesn't plan to escape this life she wants to run it to like the ends of the galaxy
0: yeah she's almost bought into this whole lie more than anyone else right you know like she's constantly invoking like i am the rogue trader
1: right <laughs> <laughs> which is also just helpful because Susie, as a player could keep the group on track yeah right <laughs> we're gonna go do the mission
0: oh, well, yeah, i guess that's a good idea fine and then Trank, who loves nothing more than his gun, sees himself as a planetary governor in a small, out-of-the-way system, living life as a benevolent yet autocratic dictator, which is really the best kind of government you can have in the Imperium.
1: I mean, that was that was Plato's ideal, and I feel like 40k was really inspired by Plato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely not the Romans. <laughs>
0: Well, you know what? The Romans stole it all from Plato anyway.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So um, as you are all sort of enthralled with this vision, uh, psychic bolts crackle from the center of the chamber. And uh, though you are at this point, myriad refractor fields absorb most of the damage, uh, you are all awakened from your visions, kind of choking on this wave of psychic corruption. I'm sure that will turn out great. But we'll find out what happens. Next week. So this week we are, I think, for the first time revisiting a topic. Uh, we are talking about session zero. Yeah, we did
0: cover this in episode forty-four, but we're deciding to actually revisit it because, well, because it's been three years <laughs> since we talked about it because we've had this show for a while now.
1: But I think the other reason for this is, is one, we just did a session zero as we were setting up um, stream of blades, right with three players that we do not play with regularly you know two of whom we've never really played with any type of extended game so um I, and i think like the conversations that are happening in tabletop gaming right now about like a lot of behavior uh, aberrations like i think it's probably more important than ever to really kind of talk about what we should be doing before we start campaigns in order to make sure that players are engaged that the campaigns work that the stories are fun and that most importantly like everybody involved is getting what they bargained for and is you know consenting and safe um and enjoying themselves rather than feeling like targeted or victimized or um some of the like even more directly negative kind of experiences that we're hearing about
0: another thing you learn when you uh, run a podcast about rpgs is well, you, you get better at doing stuff. So I think we've actually learned a lot about session zeros in the last three years.
1: For one, we've done a lot more of them. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well,
1: so let's start with this. Shane, what is a session zero? So a session zero is the session before your first session of your campaign. It's so your it pre-session. is sort of. Yeah, that's a little axiomatic, right? So <laughs> it's um, it, it's something that I used to think of as the character creation session, but now I think of it as the campaign buy in session. Um, you know, it's, it's the session where you get everybody aligned on what's happening in this campaign so that everybody is signing up for the same game, right? Right.
0: This, this isn't the session. This isn't like the first time that you meet and say, Hey, I'm, I'm pitching the game idea, right? That has already happened. And people for the most part have been like, yeah, okay, that sounds interesting we'll learn more about it. Let's, let's do this game. Right. But people usually join a game with partial knowledge. They don't fully understand either the setting or how the system works or like exactly like what the storyline is going to be in this campaign.
1: Yeah. they also like, they might know some players or the GM, but they might not know all the players. They might not be familiar with play styles. Like they, they might not be familiar with personalities or interests. So there's also like a social component to kind of, um, you know, blending your group together so that you can all work collaboratively. And then I think in terms of what you want to get out of your session zero, right, is figuring out those details of the game, like kind of what the scope and and direction of the campaign is, who the players are, um, what characters everybody will be playing. And then also importantly are the limits and safety mechanics that are available to the players.
0: Okay, so what are some of the benefits that you get out of doing a session zero? Because obviously not every campaign uh, goes through one.
1: Yeah, so I think, first of all, you set expectations for all the participants at once, right? So everybody sees it, um, everybody gets a chance to um, make their voice heard, and at the end of it, everybody is agreeing, like, cool, so this is what we will do going forward. Like, we're all on the same page, there's no miscommunication, or there's no misalignment.
0: Yeah, like, live at the same time. You know, I think almost every game does some sort of pre-planning, um And, you know, maybe that's, like, on the phone or, like, the person who's running the game will, you know, explain the premise to one person and then another person and, like, you know, exchange ideas that way or you might do it on email. But there's definitely something different about sitting, like, everyone together at the same time and speaking live that really irons out potential miscommunications. Like, I'll say, we didn't actually do a sit-down session zero for... Uh, The Return to Morning Glory campaign, even though we actually did a whole bunch of like email and wiki planning ahead of time where everyone was talking about the kinds of characters that they were going to play, but we still ended up having some people who were overlapping the types of characters they wanted to do or the types of skills that they were going to focus in because like that didn't end up coming up via email, but it would have come up at an actual table.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So along those lines, I mean, I think you help build group cohesion. Right, both in terms of players and playstyle, uh, but also in terms of are our characters going to work together, right? Like both in story and then also mechanically, you know, like are we going to be stepping on each other's toes? Do we have all of our bases covered? Are we going to be desperately lacking in healing and forcing the druid to get out of B-shape in order to heal everybody? Yes. I'm not bitter or anything. No, you're not
0: better because you just refuse to do it.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah. And I think this is particularly important, like you said, when you have people who aren't gaming regularly together, right? If you've got a home group, you're playing with them at someone's house every single week, then still do a session zero. But you pretty much understand, you know, do I get along with this person? Um, What is their play style like? But, you know, even if you're switching like um, the game system. Or like the genre of game. Someone who is, you know, really into like regular high fantasy t may become a very different player when you stick them in 40K. Uh-huh. Or or a, an investigative gumshoe game or Call of Cthulhu, you know?
1: Or a very different player when you take them out of 40K is what I think you mean.
0: Mm, I don't know. Once you, once you get some 40K on you, <laughs> it doesn't really wash off.
1: Yeah, some stuff doesn't wash off. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But these days, especially like we've, you know, we've talked about uh, play by post or, um, you know, playing playing via stream and you end up a lot of the time playing with people who you may not even know in real life. Like you're not friends outside of the game. Uh, You may not have played with this person before. They might be a friend of a friend. They might just be someone who streams with someone else that you stream with. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is very hard to get a handle on what someone is going to be like as a person to play a game with and every individual group has its own dynamic right i may be the loud one in one group only because everyone else is quite quiet but in a different group perhaps i I pull back from that because it it just feels like that dynamic isn't conducive to everyone having a good time
1: yeah for sure so i guess the main benefit then the 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 overall benefit of session zero is just you get your campaign started with everybody on the same page headed in the same direction and you're off on the right foot right you you avoid any of these silly pitfalls that could have just been avoided with a simple conversation
0: all right so you're all together you've decided you're going to do this whole session zero thing how does it actually
1: work so it varies by table and group because you know the sort of the level of buy-in or the level of familiarity you might have at the beginning will vary. You know, if you're adding new players, you might have to go through a little bit more of these steps. Um, if you have written up a long recruitment post um, on your Roll Twenty LFG thread, well, then like maybe some of these campaign questions don't need to be answered. Um, so you know, kind of take what you want or, or use the parts that you need, right? And, and don't belabor. Um, Things that have sort of already been solved. But I think it's good to open up these topics for every Session Zero to make sure everybody feels clear.
0: Right. Um, So you kind of want to start off with, like, the most important thing, especially with a new group. Begin by talking about the social contract. What are the expectations of the kinds of topics we will or will not cover? Um, Where where are we drawing lines in terms of, um, like, how graphic things that show up in many games like violence for example might be
1: yeah i mean i think this is a good time to not only discuss the lines and veils but also make sure that everybody is aware of what safety mechanics are available to them right so um, at our table we use the x card Um, we also settled on the x card for stream of blades, right, because it was simple and everybody was familiar with it. Um, but there are there are more complicated sort of safety mechanic systems, right? Things like um, like rewinds where you can sort of undo a scene if you're not comfortable with it Um, or like stoplight mechanics where you kind of hold up something green. If this is okay with you yellow, if it's touching on like territory that could be problematic for you and red, if you're not comfortable anymore, you know, that way you're not interrupting play, but you are sort of signaling um, what's going on. Like whatever the safety mechanics that your group uh, is going to use, make sure that you're reviewing those. So everybody understands them.
0: Yeah, we covered that in episode 11, uh, so you can go check that out. To hear us get a l- into a lot more specifics about the social contract and what kinds of things to bring up.
1: Um and I, I think it's worth mentioning here that like this part of the conversation can be really awkward, but that doesn't mean it's not still important. So I mean <laughs> right? sometimes it's it's more important because it is awkward, right? Exactly. <laughs> um like cuz we just we just did our session 0 for Stream of Blades, right? And like um you and Rudy and I um And uh, Amber and Sally had, like, we all knew of each other, but we didn't know each other. Um, we had all played adjacent to each other, but not with each other. Um, so it was all, like like we weren't really sure what the group dynamic would be, right? And so like we hopped on the Skype call and we like start going through some session zero stuff and it's like like I'm like sweating bullets, right? And I've got like this bullet point list of, of things I want to get through for the session zero and I get to this and I'm like, okay, so this is awkward and I don't know how to start this and I'm really sorry but like I just took a quick pass at some lines for myself and some veils for myself and then I just put a, a few bullet points of things I wasn't sure about that we should talk about and I just like please somebody make me stop talking (laughs) somebody say something please
0: and i think it was uh great for group cohesion because everyone was like nope just uh just keep feeding him more rope just (laughs) see how long this goes (laughs) yeah you you end up discovering things when you're talking about the awkward things that really bring everybody together like i think the first time uh the level of humor came up for the stream of blades uh session zero it was like I don't know we're talking about like maybe dying face down in the mud and you know it's a it's a pretty gritty system and like how do people feel about cracking jokes and like literally everybody's like oh i i have to crack jokes are we not cracking jokes because if we're not doing that i don't know how i feel about this right it's like your
1: characters <laughs> aren't glib but god i have to be
0: <laughs> right and so yeah that worked great and it, it really set like good uh expectations and and parameters for uh what we were doing actually like doing on stream
1: I, the other thing is we're playing you know what is if not a horror game at least like a horror themed game right one that touches on like body horror and war horror and um, like psychological trauma and things like that where you know like I think just acknowledging what people are okay with and comfortable with just makes it easier to plan and plot and sort of introduce elements because I don't have to worry about um, some negative impact on one of the players that I I wasn't intending You know, um, like one thing that you guys had ruled out was um, we kept um, violence, like violence against children. Uh, We uh, we drew a line. Right. So we weren't going to introduce that as an element, even though that is a very visceral part of war. (laughs) Right. Like the the refugee children who has lost a a parent or the, the children who are being slaughtered by the dead is also a common like way to spur adults into action in like undead like zombie horror and things like that right
0: right and may not be something that you can like reasonably avoid in in a game like kids on bikes you know right. where like everyone's a kid
1: right um but like it was great because i probably would have used that and i i don't even it doesn't matter who right but somebody said like hey let's not do that and i was like cool i'll work around it
0: yep easy we'll just cross that off Uh, Now, this isn't all about people coming to the session and being like, okay, here's the things I don't want to see, and then we're all just crossing things off a list, and now here are the four elements that a GM can actually use, right? It it is a discussion, uh, and it's also about players getting more information, Uh, and this is probably one of the most useful things for me at a session zero is like, I've been sold on the pitch of this game, but now I'm coming and the GM has a chance to be like, here's the background of the, the setting, and you know, even if I am totally on board with like a, a crazy post apocalyptic eclipse phase game, maybe other people have questions that I definitely did not think of that are probably getting me more interested in the setting. Like, like mm-hmm. what is the timeline? Um, who are we in this little world, right? We, we talked before about one of the things we love about Eberron is every um every group basically plays in a slightly different eberron but also plays like a slightly different game in eberron because it's such an expansive world right Mm -hmm. uh are we a bunch of gatekeepers um are are we like Eldine rangers fighting back uh demons from the from the wastes like are are we kalashar what are we doing are we lazar pirates no we're never lazar pirates oh (laughs) we always want to be lazar pirates and it never happens
1: stop trying to make lazar pirates happen it also doesn't have to be, like, high-concept background information mm-hmm. either, right? Like, it, it can be helpful to, to mention, like, oh, okay, so, like, the established setting is this, but I have tweaked a couple things here. But it's also important to have a chance to be, like, cool, so we're caravan guards. Um, do we work for a company? Who's our boss, right? Like, who hired us? Uh, what's, the, what's the name of the merchant that we're protecting? Because, like, I want to work this stuff into my character, and I need to know, like, very locally, like what region of Faerun are we in so that I can decide if I'm foreign or domestic or, you know, like, I'm from this town. Wait, did you say Faerun? I'm out. Yeah.
0: I'm out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: How did I get roped into this game? <laughs>
0: God damn it. <laughs> you said Sword Coast, and uh, I just assumed. <laughs> uh, this is actually, like, this space here is probably, like, my favorite part of Session Zero is straddling that line between... Uh, the background and the the like concept of the game, and then building the characters, right? Because all of this information then informs uh, the care the kind of character that I'm going to create, and also how I'm going to build them in the first place. You know, like if we're caravan guards, then well, I I know that we're not making like tenth level wizards, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, does it even make any sense for me to be you know a, a character that's any kind of magic? Can I can I be a half orc? What? type of world are we in what part of that world are we in you know um what kind of prejudices can i reasonably expect if i make a certain kind of character with a particular kind of background
1: right um so this actually feeds into sort of setting those guidelines around character creation right not just the um Not just like what inspires you, um, what elements might you want to bring into your character, but also like what mechanical and narrative guidelines are necessary to be sort of a valid character for this for this campaign. You know, like, do you have to be bought into the fact that you're a caravan guard? Um, Is it, you know, mechanically necessary that somebody in the group is able to, say, cast healing magic
0: or or drive a, a caravan? yeah <laughs> <laughs> or is that not necessary right Pilot not a ship.
1: is that going to be important
0: <laughs> right yeah like this happened when you uh when we did session zero for uh dynasty unwarranted right like okay you're rogue traders and we get that and that we were interested but you're like all right you're on a ship you run one ship and also all of you are in charge of the ship so each of you has a different aspect of the ship Or like interactions with Xenos or or whatever that you are in charge of. So you all need to sort of divide that up, which of course informs like who we are, what our background is, how we all met, how we all get along. But then also the the particular character build you put together because they have to be good at the thing that they're supposed to be good at because we're in charge.
1: Right. And then, I mean, also part of it, right, it's like a give and take. It's not like I set out with the uh, with the seven jobs, or I guess at the time, the six jobs that are available that you must all fill into. It right. was like, you know, cool, what are you guys interested in playing? Like, let's fit each of these classes and backgrounds into a duty on the ship, right? So Echo became the cargo master because... Echo was the sage. She was good with books and numbers. It makes sense that she would bury herself in knowing all the details of the operations of the ship.
0: And had someone wanted to play I think the ace class, right, which is basically the pilot, the pilot. then they we probably would have had someone who actually does all the piloting for the gun cutter. But as it is, since no one does that, we just sort of hand wave it and say, we have people for that.
1: Yeah, the, the gun cutter became a conveyance for you rather than a plot point, right? Right. Like o- outside of the you know the mission where you got to use the gun cutter as a plot point <laughs> yeah that one you know it was it was a plot point that neither, not that none of us
0: were an ace pilot right <laughs>
1: and then it just seemed rude to keep hitting that bruise <laughs> uh you know likewise if you you know are playing a game where you're spies um and you're all burned spies on the run for example like That would mean it's an invalid character to be somebody who is still a part of the agency, right? Or you need to have some excuse for why you are part of the agency, but working with a team of burned spies, right? So you need to fit that narrative into um, sort of the direction of the campaign.
0: It's because I'm stuck in Miami.
1: Yeah. I don't have a passport. I don't have a driver's license. I can't get on a plane. It's that simple. Yeah, and
0: this is my crazy ex-girlfriend. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and uh, an FBI agent who's doing forum on me to the FBI. Um,
0: yeah, this lets you define the relationships between the the characters, right? Like, so now we have gone from let's talk about the relationship between the players. Let's make sure that we get along. Let's make sure everyone's on the same page. And okay, now we're building a story together. We're building the characters for that story, and and now how do our characters get along or even, you know, not get along? Maybe that's something interesting that we want to build in. And this is a good time to talk about, like, I think our characters won't get along, at least at first. Uh, I think there will be tension and friction, but we've already established, like, you and I get along as people. Right. And we're both into this idea of our characters not getting along.
1: Yeah, I, I love having, like, the group of, like, thickest thieves, best friends, and the, the pair of rivals in the group. Like, generally, like, everyone needs to be good about going forward with the plot and accepting the hooks but the way that you interact with each other and doing so is completely up to the players Um, and so it's nice to have the kind of like the sweet and sour dynamic at the table Um, this is also a good time to make sure like each of your characters are sort of balanced right like you don't have um, you don't have the one player who has spent um, 70 hours digging through all of the source books and all the splat books and, and like min-maxing every single little detail of their character with the, uh, with the other character that got built in nine minutes before the session started <laughs> and sketched out on a napkin uh, and it's, it basically exists as a high concept with questionable math. Like You want to make sure that those two characters are, are going to function together next to each other in the game. So that's, I think,
0: basically the things that you have to do in a session zero, right? But then there are a bunch of other things that you could be doing that and I think we tend to do, uh, like actually physically building the characters on pieces of paper.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, this is helpful if you have some people who are very engaged in character building and other people who don't care as much for the like the min-max angle of mechanics, um, you can get those two people working together on problems rather than one of them kind of suffering off in silence and the other like nerding out over system mastery. Um, you you can put both sets to use. <laughs> yeah, you can actually bring those
0: people together, right? Like, okay, you just spent nine hour hours pouring through the books. You have looked at all different kinds of concepts and you are familiar with what will work with everyone else too. Uh, napkin sketcher over here could use a little bit of help. Why don't you yeah. two work
1: together? Which is always our jobs. Yes. <laughs> like in every new game. <laughs> because we read the material.
0: <laughs> would you prefer better gear than this? You don't have to. If this is a choice. But if you would like better gear, I can give you suggestions.
1: Yeah. All right. Like The two backgrounds that work best with this are these. The ones that work okay with this are these. And the ones you absolutely should not be using are the one that you seem to have chosen so we should change something about your character here
0: uh, now of course depending on how long your session zero is it may not be possible to fully build
1: everybody's characters looking at you eclipse phase or alternatively looking at you traveler it might be completely <laughs> necessary <laughs>
0: Right. i want to know that i'm showing up with an actual character not a dead corpse exactly <laughs> not a memory <laughs> Uh, and of course then there there are other games where they're much more loose in in terms of like who you, who your character is and the definition of their abilities and those emerge during gameplay but mm-hmm. you know you'll have a, a an idea of who you are going to play
1: um i think it's also good as a gm to use this time to tease the plot hook and the the direction that the characters will be going Mm -hmm. um this kind of generates some excitement generates some inspiration and like when players come for the first session like they know what they're getting into and they're going to be like super hyped to be doing it
0: yeah i like to get at the very least basically setting the scene for like where we begin the first session Right. right so like that gives me a really good idea of like, we are currently guarding this caravan on this trip from this location to this location. We're you know a day away, and here's like we're expecting to to get paid. Right, that gives me like a a lot of information about like where this character is going to be in the world as I'm sort of like putting on the finishing touches. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can do even more than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a a sort of brief prelude encounter um, can be helpful in a session zero, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you've got the last hour of the session or something like that, like, this gives you a chance to test out the system, test out some characters, like, get a feel for the mechanics, get used to rolling the dice, like, especially if you're departing from D D for the first time, right. And having to pick up a pool of dice and figure out like, what do these strange symbols mean? And what are the negative dice and which are the positive dice? And what does it mean to upgrade from greed? I'm talking about Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and it lets you kick the tires on your character concept too. Right. Like I think a lot of times people are sort of really attracted to an idea. And then as soon as you start to play it, you're like, I was really into like being strong and silent and, but but that's not me as a player and like I yeah. really need to talk and like I, I think that it's just not working and I'm not going to be able to like just shut my mouth or even just like act out physical things. I do want to talk. I'm going to tweak this character concept.
1: I think the very worst example of this that I, that I saw was when we ran our or when I ran the like 5e playtest test. Uh, pirate campaign that lasted for like two or three sessions and ah, jim yes. came so excited with a net fighter he was like this is perfect i've got a net and a trident i am like i this is like so appropriate i'm a gladiator but i'm ready for c and then he's like cool first combat i throw a net Nets suck. <laughs> like, suck. Treants are weak <laughs> <laughs> and my expensive. Character, my character concept doesn't work, and I feel <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> right, and, and then like, and then
0: like everyone at the table was like, "Well, you know, we could we could homebrew some stuff, or we can look like, work with it. He's like, "No, no, no, I nah, don't forget nets. Forget it." <laughs> also, I'm the only one who can't breathe water, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And we were like, "But it, it's it's a seafaring game, but
1: breathe water." <laughs> Well, part of it was also it was like, cool, we're going to be on pirate ships and then you immediately had to go underwater. Yes. You're supposed to be, seafaring is on top of the ocean, not in the ocean, you know? Yeah, if you're lucky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so session zero is not like the end all be all. It's not the, it is neither necessary nor sufficient in order to like have a good game. There are some alternatives.
1: Yeah, and I think I would recommend a session zero for just about every group, but I do recognize that sometimes groups just don't meet often enough. Um, and it's, it's difficult to actually spend a whole session without playing, you know, like that commitment of time to do a session zero when it becomes too large a percentage of the campaign length, like that becomes a problem. So obviously then like you get into like con games and one shots and things like that, where sessions you're, doesn't make sense it's more than like a brief conversation so like that's the first thing is kind of condense it into the first 15 to 20 minutes and just like hit the highlights hit the safety mechanics and and hope that people are just on board for the story aspects yeah don't
0: spend your like once per month gaming session all on a session zero but do definitely have some sort of conversation ahead of time before you invest, I don't know, six of your sessions over six months on a game that turns out nobody really likes.
1: Right. Um, So one way to help cut down on this is to do a remote session zero. Um, This is like a Skype or a Hangout session where everybody is in and video chatting and you are working together, but it is sort of outside of your regularly scheduled time Um, It might not be like the full three or four hours of a session, but it is at least like a fixed time where you get a chance to go through this exercise um, or at least the, the highlights of the exercise to make sure everybody's on the same page.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you're not spending the three or four hours on a Monday night where everyone is like traveling across town. Uh, and getting together on this you find an hour find 45 minutes when all of you can like get on the phone or like hangouts or something just to chat pretty quickly smooth everything out
1: yeah like 9 30 the kids are in bed can we please just talk real quick before next monday's game
0: i got a heart out of 10
1: no problem we can do this right um and this is actually what we did for stream of blades right Was we did it fully remotely then you can also just do it offline.
0: You know, emails ahead of time, an email thread. Uh, if you have a, a forum or, or wiki post or anything like that. Um, obviously, Discord. if you're doing play-by-post, this is probably how you're doing it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, though, there are some drawbacks to that. It is really helpful to be talking in person or or just live. Um, you know, on a on a stream to iron out some of the wrinkles, like we did almost all of our planning for Morning Glory 2 via email. And I think this is actually one of the pitfalls is that we know each other so well that we ended up sort of fast-forwarding through some of the stuff that we could have covered in a session zero that would have prevented a few of the hiccups that we had later on. And that even could have been handled like 15 minutes at the the very beginning, like in-game.
1: I I think there's also a challenge with using... Email especially, but even like some of the stuff we've done using Discord more recently, like when you're offline um, and you're like asynchronous, especially like you have different like levels of participation and focus. Mm -hmm. Right. So four people might be very, very active in participating in this sort of offline session zero, but two people might only read part of the information or only respond a couple times and then not bother catching up on everything else so you might have like less than perfect engagement if you do it that way
0: yeah or you don't want to be the person who's like ruining everyone else's or feels like you're ruining everyone else's fun and you know there are definitely people in this in this hobby who would be like well I'm not super comfortable with something or like maybe I'm not really that into a Pirates game but man everybody else is really into it and I don't want to I don't want to mess up anybody else's fun so I'll just go with it whereas if it had been in the moment you could have been like well maybe we could tweak it this way
1: yeah right um and then i think there is also like sort of a a hybrid asynchronous approach that i see more in like virtual tabletop games where you kind of work with the dm as individuals to get your piece of the story set up right so you'll create your character beforehand the dm will like read it, tweak it, whatever. The DM is making sure that all of the characters will fit together, um, but you're not necessarily interacting directly with the other players.
0: Yeah, this puts... was one puts a lot of pressure on the GM to make sure that everyone's going to get along in-game, but it also means that you lose out on the ability to make sure that like players are getting along well above the table and you lose a lot of that sort of like interaction on like that meta interaction that can be so much fun. Yeah. Like if, if I don't really know the other player, but I've only really interacted with the GM, I'm actually not going to start in, intra-party rivalry with another character because I don't know how that player really feels about it and it's much tougher to sort of bring up in the moment and be like wait are you okay if like our characters fight right now but if that was happening before and I'm like hey we're building rivals and like we are going to fight in game and we'll see where that goes because we both find that fun you know all of us have gotten on that page and no one none of the spectators are also like wow what is this ass
1: doing yeah, I think you you can run into this issue where like you have bypassed all of the social contract mechanics, right? Like you you've missed that conversation because you didn't have everybody all together. Um and then you know, in the effort to be good and cognizant and like collaborative players, you kind of miss opportunities to to do those things that would have been fine just because you don't want to step on anybody's toes. So it's kind of like the I don't know, like a weird like tragic outcome rather than a problematic one
0: having the interaction among everybody at the table allows you also to get buy-in into other people's characters mm-hmm. right not just in the game like I- i've definitely seen situations where the gym is like oh don't worry about like that person they're playing a lone wolf and like that character is going to have an arc and they're going to get they're going to get better but like that doesn't help me feel any better right now about how like this character sucks right now yeah, now you know?
1: now I don't get to be the audience member who's bought into this character even if I'm, you know, it didn't impact me as a player being bought into this character.
0: Right, but like if you and I are talking about how like you're going to play a-, a lone wolf and your plan is to have this arc and you give me a bit of backstory on like why they are like this even if my character doesn't know that, like that's cool for me to know and be able to watch and that's so much more fun. Right. So, yeah, if, if you are a GM who has to run this sort of, like, asynchronous session zero, I would highly encourage you to, like, get players to talk to each other as much as possible and also, like, share additional information. You know, that's not the first thing you think of when you're a GM. You're just trying to make all the make sure all the pieces fit together. But, like, let everybody else try to fit their pieces together, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So to, to kind of wrap up here, right, like, horror stories still happen in games, Um, session zero still doesn't happen often enough and session zero in and of itself doesn't solve for everything right like it's not like a silver bullet but it gets you a couple steps closer to making sure that you don't end up in one of those horror stories where like we're two months into our game and all of a sudden we have like this super a social character who has decided to betray the party and is now like actively working against us but we all have to pretend that they're not everybody
0: is like bought into the idea of their own character but <laughs> not the interactions with the other characters at the table right
1: Um, and then I think another, another piece of this is just like these safety mechanics are super important like you don't stop wearing your seatbelt just because there's fewer car crash deaths um, like, we still need to be doing this. Like, Monty Cook Games released that free product, like, a, a while back now, like a couple months ago, I guess, Um, about like, it was just a set of, like, safety mechanics and, like, opting in and a thing about consent and things like that. And it was, like, this weird uproar in the community, which was, like, <laughs> like bizarre and aggravating that a free product can cause so much pain for people who don't have to use it. <laughs> like, but... What I want to get at here, like, the importance is, like, just because you know everybody you're playing with doesn't un- doesn't mean you know all of their preferences. Um, and playing with people you're familiar and comfortable with can sometimes make it more difficult to raise a red flag, right? Because, like, you give more ground to people that you trust, even when that might be harmful to you, right? So you suffer in silence because you don't want to impact your friends, whereas you would easily stand up to a stranger, Um, so it can be helpful to put a forum in place and just a a regular kind of set of rules that allow people to speak up without having to have that feeling
0: it's good for everybody to just codify this as something that happens even if it is just a social contract talk because that means the expectation when going into a new group is hey this is going to happen right you don't need to have anybody sort of like gingerly raising their hands and be like hey can we have the social contract talk or can we do a session zero mm-hmm. to like make sure that we're all getting getting along like it just happens and even if you feel like oh we don't really need to do it you just you do it so it becomes a habit and also i think a lot of us play with people or have played with people who were our friends first before they were in our game group mm-hmm. and you have previous dynamics from like the rest of your life or other games you played or you know whatever else is going on that might be fine in a game but also may not be conducive to having as good a game as you can have so sort of like delineating All right, here's our session zero here is what our dynamic is going to be for this campaign or for this game that we're going to play lets you redefine parameters even if you have a whole lot of like other history that you like may or may not want in this particular game yeah
1: yeah it's also like it's like herd immunity you know it's like getting your flu (laughs) shot Like, having a session zero with people, even if you don't think you need them, like, benefits everybody in the community because now the next game you go to where there's a session zero or, or like, that kind of safety discussion, like, it doesn't feel strange. Um, Like you said, people don't have to, like, feel like they have to speak out in order to have those conversations
0: yeah and you get better at having a session here you get better about building characters together and like coming up with a character concept that's going to mesh well with the other people you happen to be with it it just makes everybody's games better
1: yeah I I mean also like I play a lot more like convention games where the choices that you have to make at the beginning are very fast because usually you have like three or four hours to play and the the GM is always like frantically hoping to get to the end Um, you might have pregens, you have people that you probably have not met before and like you don't get the benefit of a session zero, but you still use the same techniques to like make sure we have a cool game because it's like, oh, my character is this, hey person I've never met who's sitting next to you, next to me, like what's your character and how can our characters play together, (laughs) right? Like you, you just kind of, you start doing those same behaviors in very, very like abbreviated form every time you play and you get better games overall because you have that sort of background to draw on
0: right even if your sheet doesn't say hey now come up with like two bonds with someone else at the table and fill in this blank here you just do it right all right do you hear that ishan i'm just filling out all the bonds uh, on my sheet i'm doing one with everybody did you say bombs you're filling out all the bombs on the sheet yes that too we're playing Knights black agents and i'm very good at them <laughs> oh no <laughs> I have a bomb with you and a bomb with you. I wrote them on my sheet. It's part of my load. It's fine.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on to the character creation forge and see who you're bonded to. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N dangerous.
0: And you can tweet at Eshan at Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at
1: www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Are you looking for a great story? Do you love Star Wars? Do you like podcasts? If you said yes to any of these, check out the Redemption podcast.
0: Well, I have less in my head than you do normally, Probably.
1: You haven't met the crew I'm with. Pretty much everywhere we go, our life is in danger. Things didn't explode. That's pretty sneaky for us.
0: That sounds horrible.
1: Yes, please finish up whatever underhanded thing you're doing on the computer terminals at the Jedi Temple. Check out Redemption Podcast at www.redemptionpodcast.com.
0: So this week in the Character Creation Forge, Shane, we continue, or I guess begin, Overwatch-tober? We continue the tradition of
1: Overwatch-tober with a single Overwatch character this month.
0: Perfect. Uh, I know nothing
1: about Overwatch. Who's Junkrat? Uh, Junkrat is an explosives-obsessed madman who travels a world committing heists with his partner in crime, Roadhog. Uh, yeah, I have bombs with Junkrat. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote that on my sheet yeah <laughs> um so he is australian um but he is a uh, pyromaniac who has a grenade launcher uh, as his main weapon he plants explosive mines he sets bear traps to freeze his enemies in place and his ultimate ability is a rip tire that's a rip tire which is like a motorized tire that is basically a remote controlled bomb
0: what? like like a car tire
1: yeah, like a car tire. Yeah. Does he just it, set it on fire and kick it down a hill? No, it's like it's like a self-propelled tire, <laughs> packed full of explosives that he remote detonates. I don't understand this game, but cool. Overwatch is wild, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the build? The build is Sun Soul Monk eleven, Wild
0: Magic Sorcerer nine. All right, I see why. Uh, why we're doing Sun Soul Monk. At level 3 you get Radiant Sun Bolt which lets you, instead of uh, doing Flurry of Blows punches, lets you fire bolts of Radiant Energy. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, this is your grenade launcher, right? Um, And you get the same benefit of like you can spend a key to Flurry of Blows with this instead of, you know, punches and kicks. Although you can punch and kick if you want. Right. Um, You'll also get Slow Fall and the other mobility features, right? So your enhanced uh, movement and different things like that. Um, One of the low-key things about Junkrat is that he's actually pretty mobile because he has a his mind uh when he blows it up actually like moves him as well um so he can get to super high places he can slow his fall as he uh you know by like dropping it at his feet and popping himself back up in the air he can um you know maneuver side to side and things like that create space from his enemies um So there's a lot of mobility stuff like evasion and things like that kind of fall into, hey, I throw down my mine and I blast myself out of the way.
0: Right. And, you know, as a monk, you've got things like uh, drop a key point to disengage or step of the wind, things like that, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, Six, you get searing arc strike, which lets you pop two key to cast burning hands uh, after attacking
1: yeah so this is that annoying combo uh where you shoot somebody at point blank range with your grenade launcher and then you toss your mine and detonate it immediately in their face so then you go you know like (laughs) they get shot two or three times in like uh the snap of your fingers and they're dead and then your rip tire at uh at level 11 you get searing sunburst so as an action you will toss a uh 20 foot radius explosion at a range up to 150 feet Uh, the everyone in the blast will take a con save against 2d6 radiant damage and then you can spend key to add up to uh, up to 3 key to add 2d6 damage each Uh, so this can get up to 3 key and 8d6 damage uh, as an action which is a fireball basically at 150 feet Mm -hmm.
0: I like the idea of like you just have the tire there it doesn't
1: have any mechanical effect but it's just there yeah, well, I mean, 150 feet is a long way to throw. <laughs> so, like, that's like, you know, with any kind of accuracy. So I, I feel like just sending your tire going is great. Yeah, three rounds before you're going to do Searing Sunburst. Right. Like, it's just rolling. Uh, also, keep in mind, he's Australian, um, and he is also very, like, tan and singed. So Sun Soul, it feels like a fitting subclass. There.
0: All right, from Sorcerer, we get spells like Hold Person and Hold Monster, which, uh, emulate bear traps that hold your enemy in place, are
1: also great when you punch people. Yep. Um, you'll also get Misty Step, uh, which is another way to simulate your concussion mine uh, being used as an escape.
0: You can pop your sorcery points, uh, to maximize those hold spells, and your wild magic just causes utter chaos.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much Junkrat's personality in a nutshell. It's, (laughs) It's fun to blow stuff up. So, uh, we don't really have a great way of doing that but there is that wild magic result that is just a random fireball so why not <laughs> um for meta magic you'll take heightened spell and quicken spell uh your signature move here is basically throwing down a quickened and a heightened hold monster or hold person uh followed by using your searing sun bolts at point blank range um that's just basically what every junk rat main does all the time is trap somebody and then shoot them And then if you need it, you've got Ben Luck, which is two
0: sorcery points to add or subtract a d4 to a roll. This is, of course, best used when you miss or someone else misses or hits by one, so that you definitely know that you're going to affect the outcome. Mm -hmm. So for leveling order, start off uh, Monk 3 and Sorcerer 3 to get all of your main abilities and your subclasses. Then finish out Monk and finish out Sorcerer.
1: Uh, we We don't need to do character ideas. Fine with me all right so before we wrap up we want to take a moment to thank our patreon supporters your support is what makes it possible for us to
0: keep doing this show every single week so if you'd like to learn more you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash total party thrill so what do we have planned for next week's episode we'll be talking about mind reading and in the character creation forge we're building
1: johnny mnemonic well, that's it for episode 221 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Total Party Thrill is
0: brought to you this week by D&D Beyond. D&D Beyond is the official digital tool
1: set and game companion for Dungeons & Dragons. Yep, you can use D&D Beyond to build characters, track campaigns, run adventures, and do so much more, like min-maxing your beast selections for Wild Shape as a druid. Very
0: handy right at the table. You can Mm -hmm. do things like, I don't know, look up the regular basic rules because for some reason you just can't hold conditions in your head or remember exactly what causes you to stop concentrating on a spell. I say hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: it's fine, it's
0: all right there
1: yeah a lot of times actually what's nice is it is hyperlinked within the game text of other things so if your spell says that you paralyze an enemy you just click paralyze and it takes you to the basic rule for the condition paralyzed and then you can remind yourself that oh yeah this is the good one that gives you automatic crits (laughs) Uh, yeah and not the terrible one grappled Right. (laughs) your speed is zero and nobody cares
0: I will say one thing I really like about the way that you can homebrew content is you can add these tags yourself Right. Like It's just a simple bracket code to include a condition or a spell that you want to link it to. So like, if you are looking up your own item, you can go to it quickly, or if you're sending an item to someone else's a GM, they can just look it up without being like, that's so nice that this item gave me four different spells. I have no idea what the, any of these do because none of them are on my spell list because you were great and gave me an item that gives me spells that aren't on my spell list, but I don't know how to do this.
1: There's also lots of other awesome content available for free, like... Articles from great writers like James J. Heck and videos from Todd Kenrick. And the site is always getting updated with new features. So improvements are always coming. So you can check out d Beyond at www.dndbeyond.com.